Oh, there we are. Now we're on. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, March 18th, 2021. <laughs> and I hope everybody's having a good week and that everybody can hear me. Uh, we've got a few people who have been waiting in the chat room already. So please let me know if you can hear me and see me. Uh, hello to the chat room. Come on, guys. Let me know if you can see and hear me. Type. <laughs> Gee whiz. All right. Okay. Apparently, I am on. All right. Now, we have a lot, of get, lot to get through today. I've got two very different stories uh, that I want to talk about. And uh, they may or may not be unrelated on the surface. Obviously, they're unrelated, but in this crazy world, you never know. Anyway, before we get to that, tomorrow we are having the 2 p.m. Uh, African-European time zone mid-chat. That'll begin at 2 o'clock U.S. Central Time. As always, I'll be in there uh, early for the pre-chat. And please remember to get your questions and comments in before I go to bed tonight, whenever that may be, <laughs> okay? Because if, uh, if they're not there when I print them off tonight, uh, then I'll have to archive them for the next vid chat. So get your questions and comments in for tomorrow's vid chat. All right. Now, we've got two different stories. Do you remember President John Magufili of Tanzania? <laughs> okay. Um, you may or may not, but we're going to talk about him because he is dead at age 61, and I'm going to read from the Reuters story, uh, and it's bylined simply by the Reuters staff, okay? There's no actual reporter byline on this, but I want you to listen in between the lines on this one because the Reuters story, I think, gets to the real story right at the very end, okay? So this is datelined Nairobi, Kenya. Tanzania's President John Magufili, one of Africa's most prominent coronavirus skeptics, has died age 61, Vice President Samia Suluhu Hassan said on Wednesday, after a more than two-week absence from public life that led to speculation about his health. Okay. Magufili had not been, been seen in public since February 27th, sparking rumors that he had contracted COVID-19. Officials denied on March 12th that he had fallen ill, and on, March, uh, pardon me, on Monday, the vice president urged Tanzanians not to listen to rumors from outside the country and said it was normal for a human being to be checked for the flu or fever. Prime Minister Kasim Majaliwa said on Friday that he had spoken to Magufili and blamed the narrative of the president's ailment on some hateful Tanzanians living abroad. Tundulisu, Magufili's main rival in the October election, when the president won a second five-year term, had suggested Tanzania's leader had flown, been flown to Kenya for treatment for COVID-19 and then moved to India in a coma. Skipping a couple paragraphs. 
Hassan would be the first female president, according to Tanzania's constitution. Vice President Hassan, 61 years old, should assume the presidency for the remainder of the five-year term that Magufili began serving last year after winning a second term. She would be the East African nation's first female president. Born in the semi-autonomous archipelago of Zanzibar, Hassan studied economics in Britain, worked for the UN's food program, World Food Program, and then held various government posts prior to becoming Tanzania's first female president, pardon me, first female vice president in 2015. Okay, so look what we have. A vice president educated in Great Britain who served in some official capacities for the United Nations. She's replacing the Tanzanian president, Magufili, who the article's calling a coronavirus skeptic, okay? But remember the following things about his skepticism. These are right at the very end of the article. Nicknamed the bulldozer because of his reputation for pushing through policies despite opposition, Magufuli frustrated the World Health Organization during the pandemic, playing down the threat from COVID-19, saying God and remedies such as steam inhalation would protect Tanzanians. The former chemistry teacher had mocked coronavirus tests, denounced vaccines as part of a Western conspiracy to take Africa's wealth, and opposed mask wearing and social distancing. Tanzania stopped reporting coronavirus data last May, in May of last year, when it reported 509 cases and 21 deaths, according to the World Health Organization, which has urged the government to be more transparent. He not only did that, remember, it was this guy that sent test results taken from goats and various fruits to the WHO, and they all came back positive. So in other words, he he caught them, <laughs> okay? And now he's dead after an absence. So I have to wonder, quite frankly, if he is really dead or if his absence was some sort of assassination because he was just absolutely a pain in the you-know-what to the... COVID narrative story, and as this article itself admits, um, was quite a big one at that. And it's very interesting to me that this appears in Reuters by Reuters staff, and that they are pointing out that it was this man himself who was questioning the narrative at an official level and doing so in the context of maintaining it was part of a Western, in other words, imperialistic scheme to take Africa's wealth. So my speculation, yeah, this man was taken out, although we may learn later that uh, his death was entirely for natural causes and so on and so forth. But color me suspicious on that one. All right, now... The main story I want to talk about is what's going on with Russia. Because, and I've, I've linked a couple of articles for you that I find very significant. Um, and I'm going to read just a few paragraphs from it. Uh, as you may or may not know, 
Russian President Vladimir Putin has recalled Moscow's ambassador to Swampington, D.C. for consultations. Now, folks, that's a very serious thing. That means that they don't want to consult on the normal diplomatic secure channels. Putin wants to see this guy in person. Okay? And here's why. First article is from uh, The Hill uh, by John Bowden. This came out just yesterday. And the title of the article is Russia Recalls Ambassador After Biden Says Putin Will Pay a Price for Interference. Yeah, the Russian election interference narrative continues. So here we go. Russia's foreign ministry withdrew its ambassador to the United States on Wednesday after President Bidenenko vowed that Russian leader Vladimir Putin would pay a price for his country's efforts to interfere in the 2020 election. Notice the country that's not being mentioned, that the news media has already indicated may have had a hand in it, and uh, color me skeptical and cover color them hypocrites. Continuing. A statement on the foreign ministry's website confirmed that Ambassador Anatoly Antonov had been summoned to Moscow and warned against an irreversible deterioration in relations between the U.S. and Russia, warning such a move would have consequences. Let me repeat that one, folks. A statement on the foreign ministry's website confirmed that Ambassador Anatoly Antonov had been summoned to Moscow and warned against an irreversible deterioration in relations between the U.S. and Russia, warning such a move would have consequences. The Russian ambassador to the United States, Anatoly Antonov, has been summoned to Moscow for consultations in order to analyze what needs to be done in the context of relations with the United States, read the foreign ministry's statement. Now I'm skipping here to the third to the last paragraph in this article, quote, the U.S. Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report Wednesday contending that Putin, quote, authorized and a range of Russian government organizations conducted influence operations aimed at denigrating President Biden's candidacy in the Democratic Party, supporting former President Trump, undermining public confidence in the electoral process, and exacerbating sociopolitical divisions in the United States. So if you put all the stories of all the countries that have had some role in the previous election, just take them at face value and put them all together, that gives us Russia, Italy, the Vatican, Germany, and China. <laughs> okay. Um, so in other words... This nation's election security leak like a sieve. <laughs> so anyway, that's just one implication. Now, let's go to the second article here. This is by Marina Pitovsky. And again, this just came out today, titled Russia Warns of Response After Biden Calls Putin a Killer. And I want to read, again, just a few paragraphs from this article. It's rather short. Quote, um, 
Konstantin Kosachev, the deputy chairman of the Russian parliament's upper house, called Biden's comments unacceptable, according to multiple reports on Thursday. He also said that the Kremlin's decision to recall the Russian ambassador to the United States was the right move for the country following Biden's comments. I suspect it will not be the last one. If no explanation or apology follows from the American side, Kosachev said in a Facebook post. In other words, get ready for more. This kind of assessment is not allowed from the mouth of a statesman of such rank. This kind of statement is not acceptable under any circumstances, he added, joining criticism from other Russian lawmakers, according to the news service. And here we go. Biden, this is citing uh, Biden, we had a long talk in his, from his interview with uh, George Stephanopoulos. We had a long talk, he and I. I know him relatively well, and the conversation started off, and I said, I know you and you know me. If I establish this occurred, then be prepared, Biden told ABC's News, George Stephanopoulos. When asked if he thought Putin is a killer, Biden responded, I do. Putin's spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, on Thursday said Biden made a very bad statement that made it clear he doesn't want to normalize relations, according to the Associated Press. Now listen carefully. We will proceed accordingly, Peskov said, according to the Associated Press. He would not confirm if Russia would break diplomatic ties to the United States. And, folks, it's that last line that indicate just how serious this is. Now, I don't care whether you're a big fan of Bidenenko or not a fan of Bidenenko or a big fan of Vladimir Putin or not a big fan of Vladimir Putin. The If you've been following what's been going on in this country for the last five years and the, the galloping recklessness of Mr. Globaloni, it's getting to this point. And for the Russians to recall an ambassador in the middle of this kind of tension is rather interesting. And my speculation here is that the first thing that Mr. Putin wants to know, and he wants to look in the eyes of his ambassador and ask him very directly, is this man in the White House really all there? And if not, who's really pulling the strings and doing this? Uh, he, wants, he wants to get firsthand whether or not uh, this country is in the hands of a sane man. Uh, and that's very serious, folks, but that's my reading of it. Uh, as for the ongoing Russian election interference narrative, we've been listening to this for five years. It may or may not have occurred. But what's very interesting is the lack of discussion of all of the other indications of other foreign interference involved in the last one besides Russia. And I suspect, again, this is more finger-pointing, look over there, not over here. Uh, so it's also for that reason, I suspect, that Mr. Putin has recalled the ambassador uh, not only to gauge the ambassador's response to Mr. Biden, but to get an on-the-spot, first-hand assessment of the mood in this country. 
Uh, and if a, a foreign leader, a major foreign leader, is going to that length to get these kinds of assessments, you know things are serious, especially with that last line of Putin's own spokesman not willing to say whether or not Russia would break off diplomatic relations. Now, if they did, there would still be, of course, channels of communication. But breaking off diplomatic relations is, as most people know in, in, in the diplomatic world, the last step that one takes before you start shooting. So, you know, I'm very, very worried about this. Um, I don't think Russia will go to that, to that level. But what this is also demonstrating, to my mind, is the increasing ineptness and weakness of the United States on the world stage. Uh, we already know that Mr. Putin has stepped up Russian, uh, Russian military aid once again in Syria and has stepped up a diplomatic offensive in the Middle East and basically ignored the United States. So in other words, part of this is the USA rattling its sword and, you know, be very afraid, be very afraid of us. And, of course, Russia's just been ignoring it. So this is another indication, in my opinion, of the growing weakness of the United States on the geopolitical stage. We're going to see a lot more of it. And we're going to see a lot more of it precisely because of the ineptitude, in my opinion, of Mr. Globaloni and the doddering <coughs> weakness of the current administration. So uh, in the chat room, um, somebody just said uh, Putin is dealing with an illegitimate government in the United States. Uh, Sarah says, wake up, Farrell. Uh, Hank McGurk says it would be the best thing. The best thing to do would be to ignore the United States and so on and so on. Um so anyway, yeah, it's um, it's very, very interesting, I think, what's going on. There could be other ramifications of this. And by the way, Sarah, it's either Dr. Farrell or Mr. Farrell. Uh, it's not just Farrell. You know, have some courtesy. All right. Just um, Putin, just Biden for live meeting. And my cousin says, bumbling bribing Joe Biden's electoral steal. Yeah, well, yeah, there are geopolitical consequences, and that's my point. There are geopolitical consequences to what happened last November, and they're going to be huge, and they're going to be with us for quite some time because I think it would be clear to most foreign governments with half an ounce of intelligence that what's going on over here is, is a circus. And, you know, who do we negotiate with and who's really in control of this? This is not a situation that you want any great power uh, in the world to be in and to put the, the other powers in the world in. You know, who do you talk to and what's going to be the direction next month if you're sitting in Berlin or Tokyo or Paris or London and what have you? Anyway, um. Sarah says, Putin, just Biden for a live meeting. Okay, well, fine. That's good. That's good. If that's the case, um, if that's the case, that's good. But if there is a live personal meeting, then this is an indication of how seriously things have deteriorated, Sarah. So it does not mitigate my case. 
my case is things are at a very, very bad pass. And we've got both countries making threats to each other. And let's go further, Sarah. We saw Mr. Bidenenko threatening Russia with cyber action that will send a strong message. And as I blogged about last week, this means that Russia would retaliate. So things are out of control. Anyway, oh, there we are. That's good. So uh, Sarah has been banned because of foul language, obviously not a lady. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the news and views. If she is correct that there is going to be a summit between Biden and co and Mr. Putin, then uh, I expect that there could be some more fireworks. Anyway, thanks a lot, folks, for tuning in. And we'll see you on the flip side. Don't forget the vid chat tomorrow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Get the questions and comments in before I hit the sack tonight. Anyway, that's it, folks. Bye-bye.